Mind Body Connection podcast. The Body and Mind. With your host, Dr. Phil Parker. Hi, and a very warm welcome to this episode of the Mind Body Connection with me, your host, Dr. Phil Parker. First thing I'd like to say is thank you so much for subscribing, listening, rating, and commenting on iTunes and various other places about uh, how you feel about this podcast. The, the response has been amazing, tremendous, and that really, really helps to boost it in the rankings and therefore it shows up. Other people get to find it who may not ever stumbled across it. So thanks for the support you've been given in this podcast. And if you haven't done that yet, then please do go subscribe, iTunes, rate it, leave a review. It'd be fabulous. The purpose of this episode is a kind of uh, I'm going to shift slightly away from the interview uh, I was planning to put in because I thought uh, some common themes maybe it'd be useful to to set up before we carry on with the interviews, um, like explaining what placebos are a bit and how they work and some interesting stuff around them. So it's going to be a relatively short um, episode. Uh, then the other thing I thought was as uh, I was listening back to some of the interviews, the researchers we talked to, particularly in this part of the series. Uh, some really clever stuff, some of it a little bit complicated, and a lot of it is focused on uh, interesting things or possibly what clinicians could do. And I know a lot of people listening aren't clinicians, they just be interested in what can I do to my health as a result of learning about the mind-body connection and the placebo effect. So I'm going to intersperse the longer interviews with short little clips of me talking about um, some stuff that you can practically do to put some of this stuff into your life and into your health. So that's what we're going to do at the end of today as well. So first of all, a, bit, a little bit about placebos. First of all, and because placebos will be mentioned a lot, placebos are where you give something uh, like some kind of intervention. It could be a pill, could be surgery, could be uh, uh, injections. And there is a response to it, which is nothing due to the actual chemicals. So it may be a dummy pill um, that has nothing in it uh, and it will have an effect. And what's interesting about this is when people do drugs trials, they know that there's always going to be some kind of effect of expectation, just getting an intervention, getting a pill, getting some medicine. And so randomized controlled trials, which you're here mentioned a lot, are ones where you uh, divide a group of participants up randomly and you give half of them one intervention and half of them an, another intervention. So you can pair the difference. And one of the things they classically will do is give the new drug versus a sham or placebo drug. And when you think about it, what they're doing there is they're saying, we know that some effect will be caused by just taking the drug. And what we've got to do is show that the drug is slightly better. So that's the kind of mechanism of the trial. But it's another interesting part of the conversation, which says, we know giving a pill will absolutely make a difference. And what we've got to do is demonstrate that the real pill will do slightly better than that. It doesn't have to be much better to get past the FDA approval. Um, so that says that there's a real awareness, even when within the toughest kind of uh, most skeptical scientific minds, that there is an effect, the placebo response, as a result of taking uh, just any kind of intervention, any kind of pill. Another interesting thing, which Irvin um, uh, Kirsch mentioned right at the end of his interview, was that there's a different hierarchy of uh, placebo responses so certain things will tend to produce a bigger placebo response so if you take a a, a white pill you know like a some kind of pain relief uh, <clears throat> and it's a placebo it won't be as effective as if you take just the white ordinary generic pill will be not as effective as if you take a branded one 
So like in England, you have uh, Nurofen, which is a kind of brand, uh, and it's all shiny, and they spent millions on packaging, and it costs more in the shops. This has got exactly the same chemical constituents. There's no difference between the paracetamol that you buy you know, in an unbranded box that's really cheap, or the Nurofen, or whatever brand you may, may buy, which is actually a on average about five to 10 times as expensive containing the same chemistry. Uh, what, what they found in research is if you take the branded one, you will actually get more pain relief. You'll get more effect, even though there's nothing different in the pill. It's purely because we like the packaging. We've been sold it so many times through advertising. Another interesting one is if you give someone a pill, so oral medicine, it's not nearly as powerful as if you inject them. So injecting is more more powerful. And it appears to be some of the research that, again, <laughs> Irvin did, was that uh, surgery is more important, more have more value as a placebo effect. And then the idea is probably because people are going, wow, that was a big, proper intervention. You know, if you take a pill, that's, yeah, it's a pill. If you have an injection, that's a major bit of uh, medicine. And if you have to go under general anesthetic or have some kind of anesthetist work on you so you can have the surgery and then you wake up with a scar, you really feel that something's happened. So there's, there's huge placebo effects. And amazingly, they do have to do... Uh, trials where they compare real surgery to sham surgery pretend surgeries where people go under anesthetic and they give them a you know an incision they don't do any work and the reason they have to do that it kind of almost seems unethical is to kind of go is is the procedure making the difference is the actual work we're doing when we do the the surgery making the difference or is it the whole experience of going under anesthetic and waking up with a scar so really interesting uh, stuff going on there um, the other thing, uh, again, Irving mentioned was that, and if you're interested, there's, uh, there's a book I've written called The Do. There's another bit of the book by Dan Merman that's really worth reading, um, which you'll find in the show notes. Um, the, there's a lot of research about what color the placebo is makes a difference. So in certain countries, for instance, in Italy, if you have pills that are blue, particularly if you're a man, uh, it will have a more strong effect and they think this is possibly due to the Italian football team being called the Blues um, and it being kind of linked to masculinity and strength and stuff. And in different countries, different colours make a difference. So blue doesn't work in other countries to the same extent. The size of the pill uh, makes a difference. The shape, the capsule, if you have a capsule pill, uh, it tends to be more effective than just a, you know, an ordinary powdered chalky one. So there's all sorts of stuff going on that, uh, that are affecting what's happening to the medicine. Now, if you have, generally, if you have medicines, it will tend to have more of an effect than if you have the placebo. But we've got to work out how much of this is due to the placebo effect. How much is it our internal thoughts and experience generating this? And then, of course, the really interesting question is, how can we switch that on? And that's what a lot of my work has been, is looking at, well, what makes a difference? How do we get people to enhance this natural ability they have to take a pill and to create a bigger response than other people? Or sometimes to take a pill that contains nothing and create a response as if they were taking the real medicine. So uh, those are all kind of interesting conversations that you'll see showing up uh, within uh, the 
the interviews. I also, I think, mentioned no nocebo effects. So this is where pretty much the same thing happens. But in this case, people get effects from drugs which are the side effects. So they'll get a, a pill, which is a pretend pill, and they will get a headache as a result of taking this pretend pill because that's one of the side effects. Again, showing the power of the mind-body connection. And again, this is a very interesting thing because uh, nocebo effects are not just limited to taking a pill. They can be as a result of what the doctor says. So if they say, oh, if you take this, there's a good chance you'll have side effects, then you're more likely to have them. Or uh, when you go and undergo an operation and they say, look, I have to tell you if we do this operation, then your leg might fall off as a result or something. That's, that starts to create a response. In every conversation in healthcare, and this again is an area I'm particularly been looking at over the years, Whenever a doctor says something, it will have, or any, any therapist says something, it will have a huge impact on us. And particularly if it's uh, something that's related to health or illness, it seems that when that occurs, there's a change in our physiology. So this is uh, the practical exercise I'm going to move on to today. So some work by uh, Rick Turner by Vice where they got some guys uh, and they gave them, a, they got a set of cards. And on one set, it was like uh, grocery items, like avocados, washing powder. And the other set of cards, just written cards, was uh, words related to pain. And they mixed the cards up and then randomly gave the subjects a card whilst they were in an MRI scanner. Okay, so they were scanning their brain to see blood flows, functional MRI, so the activity of the brain. If they drew a card that just said avocado, bananas, uh, you didn't see much activity. But if they drew a card that referred to pain, you saw a lighting up of the areas responsible for processing pain signals. And, and what they say is, it's really important to know this, that it means that if we start to use language that is related to symptoms, related to problems, we are very likely to be triggering the neurology of the problem. So triggering the parts of the brain that process those symptoms, increasing both the symptoms and very possibly having effect on our physiology. So tip for today is to start, if you have any health issues, is to start changing your language. So if you have pain, then lose that word as much as you can and start to refer to it in the opposite way. Now, the interestingly, the opposite way is, is, is not to say no pain, because as soon as you say the word pain in that sentence, it will again light up those parts of your brain. And when I've taught people this, and I've, I've taught this all over the world to doctors and clients and patients and pain consultants, people who are involved either professionally in uh, working with pain or, or disease, or if you're a client, a person, and that's what's going on in your life, they very often find it really difficult to find the opposite of pain without using the word pain. So quite often they'll say stuff like relief. Now the word relief naturally brings with it its friend pain because it's relief from so just for a moment i'd like you to think about if you have an issue what would be the opposite word that does not reference in any way the problem word 
So if your issue is pain, the answer is not no pain. The answer is not relief. Not, the answer is not less pain. The answer needs to be something like deep comfort or it moving easily. Well, what else would be a good word? And training your brain to use the words that you need is really, really important. It seems that it has a, a very profound effect on activation of pathways that will directly impact your physiology. So whatever your issue is, whatever's going on in your life, start to notice, be aware of what are the conversations you're having in your, inside your head. You know, we all talk to ourselves. How many of the conversations are negatively focused words? And a lot of them will be because that's how we talk, you know, about problems. We focus on the problem. How many conversations are you having with other people that are using those words? Because they will also trigger that neurophysiology. How many conversations when you go to your doctor, your GP, your specialist, or your therapist are about those words? Now in research, this is also a nightmare because when people generally do research, they have to use uh, forms that are very standardized and what's called validated forms. And many of the forms are absolutely negatively focused. So um, a classic one is called the visual analog pain scale. So it's even got the word pain in the actual title. And it asks you this question. It says, uh, I'd like you to rate on this scale. It has a little line, one end and another end. It says, rate on the scale, how s the severity of your pain. Now the word severity d directly relates to pain as does the word pain. So I've now said it three times. And then on the scale, one end of the line, it says the worst pain imaginable. Now the worst pain imaginable, in order to know what that is, you have to think into your, through your life uh, to find a time when you had the worst pain imaginable. As soon as you do that, again, you're firing up these neural pathways about pain. And at the other end of the scale is the word no pain. Now, as soon as you say the word no pain, again, you're triggering the neurology. So even in that very short, very well-respected scale, there are lots of opportunities to be triggering the neurology that actually we need to be quieting down. Now, I must apologize if you're somebody and you've been listening and you do have these symptoms. I've said it far too many times. So instead, start thinking about comfort. Start thinking about when were you at your most comfortable at any point in your life? All those things will help to settle your nervous system. So I hope that's a useful starting point for you to think about how can we practically put some of this into our lives, into our health. I'll be doing more stuff on this. I'm going to be looking at things like uh, how we use our language in different ways to change how powerful we feel in the process of change. I'll be looking at some research into how being grateful, compassionate makes a difference, how um, the words we say may have an impact on stuff like heart disease. Some very interesting research on that. Uh, we're looking at um, how many extra years you might get if you're of healthy, happy life if if you're happier than other people so lots of kind of things that you can just take away and think right okay in this vast field what can i do that will make a difference little things that will make a difference so i hope that's useful for you guys um thanks so much for tuning in 
And if you have any questions um, or topics you'd like discussed, then again, please do email them info at philparker.org. See you guys soon. Bye now. The Mind Body Connection Podcast. The Body and Mind. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do subscribe to us on iTunes, like it, review it, and share it. The more people know about this, the better. And don't forget to join our podcast mailing list by going to philparker.org forward slash yes, and you'll get extra stuff, bonus material, and program notes.